This is episode number two with Isaac Rents. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to interview Isaac Rents. Isaac has directed so many amazing music videos for artists like Tegan and Sarah, Blink-182, Fun, Cage the Elephant, and Eminem. His work has been honored with multiple nominations at the MTV Video Music Awards, Much Music Awards, LA Film Festival, and has been featured in Pitchfork and Spin. I met Isaac through working at a production company I freelanced at back in the day, and always love when I get to see people I know succeeding at their craft. You will hear us exchanging the handheld mic back and forth, and like I have said in the past, each episode gets better. I use less and less of likes and ums. Here we go with Isaac Rent's story recorded in my kitchen. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Jen. Tell me a little bit about your story and, um, you know, how you decided to become a director. Or like. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a weird path. I didn't ever plan on being a director of any kind when I was growing up. And um, I kind of it was like an accident. I just sort of fell into it when I was in college. I was. I knew how to use Photoshop and Illustrator, and I really loved music, and I was friends with a lot of bands, and I ended up, like, designing merch to kind of pay for books and to pay for, um, like, it was just, like, my job through college, and um, one of the bands needed a music video. It was, like, it must have been, like, 2003 or four, and it was, like, a big time for kind of, like, emo um, screamo type music and there was this band that I designed all their all their merch it was this band called Taking Back Sunday and they their manager hit me up one day out of nowhere and said you know the band just thinks you're a really creative person they need a music video right now and they're in between labels and would you want to do it and um, I, I had like no experience with any sort of filmmaking at all. Like I sometimes made fun videos with my friends, like in high school, we'd take like a, like a video camera and edit on like two VHS players, you know, that kind of like really simple kind of stuff. A lot of it was like kind of like jackass type prank videos or something stupid like that. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where looking back, like, I don't even know why I said yes. I think I was just excited to do something new. And I was getting a teaching degree, and it was probably right around the time that I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a teacher anymore. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's try something else. And um, it, that's kind of where it started. I did a music video for them. It was really inexpensive. I was kind of going for, like, a lo-fi Spike Jones or um, kind of a Harmony Corinne sort of vibe. And I was like, you know, I, I felt like I couldn't mess that up if, you know, it was something with like a bunch of kids and sort of like this weird modern dance thing. It, it didn't even have the band in it, but they, they got it on like MTV and Fuse, which back then was like a big, like kind of second tier MTV thing. And, and like it was so exciting, like just to see like my stuff on TV. I, you know, I I cut it in iMovie. I shot it myself with like a camcorder. I like cast it, set designed it. My aunt 
baked cookies. You know, like it was like such a like lo-fi homegrown affair. And um, it was just so cool to see it on TV. Like I felt like I had like tricked everybody and I was like so excited to like, you know, see my name like on like the little MTV um, like title thing at the beginning and end of every video. And from that point forward, I was like, this is kind of what I want to do. Where, like, where were you at the time? Were you in L.A. or were you, because did you grow up in Arizona and uh, Japan? Is that? Kind of. I I was born in Japan. My parents were um, teachers. And I I think I only lived there for, like, three or four years. And then we moved to Arizona. And um, so I, I grew up in, like, a suburb in Arizona. And I went to Northern Arizona University up in like Flagstaff. It's like a little tip, hippie college. But I was student teaching in New York when this Taking Back Sunday video happened. And, it, you know, it was weird. It was right around the time that I decided I, I wanted to live in a big city. So L.A. was like where music videos mostly got made. And so right after I graduated, I moved to Los Angeles. And it was this sort of thing where like all I really had was this one video. So I couldn't really like use that to get signed to a production company or anything like that. But I had designed all this merch. So I had like this huge portfolio of here's like all the hoodies I've designed and the tour posters I've designed and like the, the CD, you know, nowadays they don't even have CDs anymore, but like all the album art and stuff that I had designed. And so I got a job at like this little indie record label called Fearless Records. They were in Westminster, California. Um, and they, at the time they had like at the drive-in plain white tees, the Aquabats. It's like this weird mix of like kind of older punk bands, but then newer emo bands and like some pop stuff that was starting to take off. And, um, a couple of their bands that just had big hits. So they all of a sudden they had money and they moved out of a garage and into like a real office and they wanted like a real kind of art department graphics person. And so I, I sent them like. I had like a friend who was doing A&R for them. And so I sent them my material and then they were like, yeah, can you come out next week? And so literally like a couple weeks after graduating, I just packed all my stuff into a car and just drove straight to LA. And, and that's kind of how it started really. Cause from that point forward, I was just every, every weekend I was like begging bands that I would meet through the record label. Let me make your music video. Like, I will take my own money that I'm making from working at the label. I will put it into, you know, the music video. We'll make this like little two, $3,000 music video. And then if it sucks, you don't have to use it. That was like the deal I would make with every band. And, um, thankfully most of them didn't suck too bad. (laughs) And after a while I like built up like, you know, maybe like three or four really strong low budget music videos. I did one for, um, Portugal the man right when they were first starting out it's really cool that they've gotten as big as they have and this band called scary kids scaring kids it was like this little hardcore band so it was like really little kind of lo-fi videos but after a while it was enough that I could like sign to a bigger production company and quit my job at the at the record label I know for me that's kind of what I did where I was like oh there's like this opportunity pack up your stuff in your car and like just move out and like see what happens because it's like I for me um my like LA story was um I came out here because I worked on you know some movies down in the south and um I got the opportunity to just come out for a couple weeks and then I was like well maybe I should just like apply to some jobs and uh 
the following week, like I had a bunch of interviews and one of my friends at the time was like, that never happens. Like interviews like the next week and it's like, you know, seven or eight. And yeah, I, I packed up, um, I got home, uh, cause I was still at my parents and I was like, dad, will, you know, will my car make it to Los Angeles? <laughs> and he was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and within a couple of days, cause like I was, you know, living in the South doing that. And then like going back to Michigan where I'm originally from, uh, I, packed up my like all my stuff in my car and when I was like driving through uh, St. Louis I got a phone call it was like a Thursday they were like hey can you start tomorrow I was like well no actually how about Monday (laughs) 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 so it was just kind of I I I yeah I feel like a lot of people have um uh those stories about like first like yeah moving out here um to LA so and then now it's just like you've you've gotten to do so much you've gotten to work with like Blink-182 and like just and you were nominated at one point for a VMA yeah well I've been nominated for a couple different um VMA type awards at different times one for this band five seconds of summer and one for um Cage the Elephant I did a video for them and like sort of the Canadian version of that for Tegan and Sarah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause like hearing your story, like I, I feel like that's so many people where you, you don't really have like a plan per se, but you just know that you want to be working. Like when, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, I, I knew that I wanted to make music videos, but I didn't know like the whole system. Like I didn't know there were production companies. I didn't know how record labels worked. I didn't even know what was like a good budget or, you know, any of that stuff. And you just kind of come out to LA and you're just sort of like winging it. You know, you're actually, I think what happens is like the second you get an apartment, then it just turns into like, well, how do I pay rent? <laughs> like, <laughs> How do I pay rent? And then also like stay, how do I not get sent back to where I came from? That was like the whole goal, you know? And so like the big thing for me was once I was able to leave the record label and sign to a production company, um, it was just you know, what can I do so that I don't have to go back to working at a record label? You know, like, what can I do so I don't ever have to, like, open Photoshop again? I mean, I still use Photoshop all the time, but you know what I mean? Like, I, for a while, like, in between, like, when I first signed to the production company, because you don't automatically, just because you signed to a production company doesn't mean you're automatically making money or, or videos or anything. Like, I sat there on their roster for, like, six months without doing a single thing it was this company called draw pictures the first place that signed me and um to like make ends meet I was still I was designing I remember I designed t-shirts for Paul Frank I designed uh like a tour um booklet for Larry the Cable Guy's comedy tour one summer like whatever that was I don't even know how they found me but like I was just doing anything so that like I wouldn't have to go get a real job again and I could still you know work towards making music videos like I was I was doing literally anything that so that I didn't have to become a barista you know (laughs) Uh, yeah I I mean I totally yeah I totally understand that um because like for me like in between all my freelance gigs that I was now I have like a full-time job but uh I was a barista 
like a coffee shop in Echo Park. So, um, nothing against that. yeah, 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 no, yeah, nothing against that. Yeah. But like, it's true. Like you have to like really work hard and like hustle and like try to figure out like how, like, you know, do, do I really want to stay out here in Los Angeles and like, what is like the dream or like trying to figure out like what exactly you want to do like within the industry so yeah um out of all like the music videos that you've um directed what have been some of like the challenges along the way well the first i mean well i mean just like surviving i guess you know in la is like one you know one one challenge <laughs> like you know but. well like the biggest challenge at first was that i had i didn't go to film school or anything so i didn't know you know i'd go on set and i'd have to ask some of the production assistants like well what's what's this lens or like you know what how am i supposed to do this kind of shot or you know have you ever worked with a crane before how does that work like i was learning everything on the job um and, you know, the first couple of videos, I, you know, like I said, they were all really lo-fi and it was kind of me doing it myself. But like as as you get bigger and as you move along, as the budgets get bigger, as the bands get bigger, like you have to start working with a real crew. And then you're working with people who did go to film school and have a lot of experience and you can't just say, make it look cool. You know, you have to like know what you're talking about. And that was the biggest challenge at first. And I remember um, I was really excited. The first job that I ever did for a major label with like a, a real budget it was like a thirty thousand dollar budget which to me just sounded like we could do whatever like i could like <laughs> blow up like you know a building if i wanted to with thirty thousand dollars like that just sounded like infinite amounts of money um it was for uh this band cage of the elephant they were they still are on rca records and they were a young band they had just been signed and i think that the lead singer of the band, Matt Schultz, he had seen my reel, and I think he liked the fact that it kind of sucked. Like, I think he had seen a bunch of polished, like, uh, really um, professional-looking other options and was like, I don't know, it looks too good. And I think he kind of liked that my stuff just didn't look very um, well-made and uh, kind of had an indie vibe. And so they went with me and I was like really excited to do the video. I, it was the first time that I got to work with like a real crew. It was the first time that we like had like actual, um, you know, like catering and stuff on set. I was like, oh my God, like I can just walk over here and grab a snack if I'm hungry. Like it, it, little stuff like that. It was just like such a huge deal to me at the time. And it was really fun and we had a good time. And, but you know, that was the big challenge at first was that I just really, and I think it was clear to people that I was working with. I just didn't know what I was doing beyond really broad strokes. And I think in the time since I started, it, it probably took me about two or three years to like really figure out what I was doing. I watched a lot of movies. I spent a lot of time on sets. I would, you know, sit down with, um, I would, I would try to contact directors that I liked sit down with them and just like pick their brain for hours um and it just you know it took a really long time to like truly like understand like music videos as like a craft because i think it's really easy to um you know a lot of people like they have really good taste but they don't necessarily know how to articulate it and i think that's like a huge part of it i think there are a lot of like people who can tell you when something's good or not and that's 
that all by itself is already a skill that, that not everyone has. And it's really important. Um, but I think knowing like how to articulate what it is that is or isn't working with something is something that takes a lot more time and experience to really figure out. And, and it takes a lot of like getting things wrong too. There were like music videos where we'd shoot them and then I'd sit down in the edit and afterwards I'd realize like, oh, that lens is not flattering on somebody close up or, oh, you know what? I really don't like this style of camera movement or, you know, shooting in slow motion would have worked better here. Things like that. And you just don't know until you've done it. So that was the biggest challenge at first. What was your most memorable moment? One of the big ones or like the one that felt like I was kind of crossing like a threshold was I got to do a music video for Blink-182 when they reformed in like, I think it was 2011. And um, I had grown up like a huge Blink-182 fan. And it was way more money than I'd ever been able to play with on a music video before. And we were doing like this huge, the, the whole idea was it was like all these kids like take over a neighborhood. It's like all the parents disappear. And so we, we had this like set that was like an entire neighborhood. It was that, you know, that Jim Carrey movie, Lemony Snicket. It was like, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> it was yeah. this thing that they had built for that movie. And it was out in the middle of nowhere in like Downey, California. And so we took it over and I was so excited. We, we had like a cast of, you know, hundreds and all kinds of stunts. And we were, you know, driving cars down the street and crashing them into stuff. And, you know, just seeing the guys from Blink-182 was like so exciting. You know, like um, I remember I had to go meet um, each guy individually in their own trailer. They all had their own trailers. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, I, you know, I, I thought I was probably too cool at that time to be starstruck. But then the second I saw them, I was like, hey. you know, I was like so nervous. Um, and the funniest part about that night was as we were shooting that video, um, we just kept hearing these huge explosions and we would see these balls of flames coming from like a set like 100 feet over from ours and I was like what is going on over there like uh it looked like they were filming like an action movie or something and we found out that Kanye West and Jay-Z were filming their video with Spike Jones for Otis Whoa. right over there <laughs> which was awesome but it also kind of like put me in my place because I was like oh I'm like the biggest director right now. I'm shooting this big video for this band everybody's heard of. And then, of course, like, the biggest music video director ever with the two biggest artists of our generation are, like, right over there, you know, like, ex- like with probably a budget, like, ten times bigger than mine that night. And I'll always remember we were filming this one scene with the band, and um, Jay-Z pulled up on, like, a golf cart. It was, like, him and his security guard. And he, he pulled up, like, so chill. He was just like, hey, what's going on over here? What are you guys up to? And he recognized the guys in the band, and he was, like, shaking their hands, and they were joking around and stuff. And I just – I remember at the time I was like, I'm not cool enough or big enough to um, insert myself into the situation, but I am going to stand over here behind the camera and just enjoy it. I'm just going to, like, yeah. take a mental photograph of this moment so I can, like, tell my grandkids one day. And, um, that, that was definitely like a, a big, that one, like after that one, I felt it gives you that feeling where you're like, Oh, I think I can handle like, you know, whatever comes at me now. Like that was just such a bizarre experience. And, uh, you know, it's like little stuff like that that gives you a lot of confidence, I think. 
I love that story. <laughs> I think that's like, oh my gosh, like just to be in that situation and then like Jay-Z rolls up is just like, oh my goodness. Um, like how do you determine like what you decide to work on? Well, you know, when I first started, I was like, I'll do anything. Um, and this is, I think like, this is kind of maybe a cool thing to talk about because I feel like a lot of times when I was first starting, um, I wasn't sure like how things worked with like the division between like being creative, but then also having to make a living. And I realized a lot later on that a lot of my favorite music video directors, like they were, they were already kind of independently wealthy. And so a lot of the decisions they were able to make were based purely on creative things. They didn't have to worry about paying rent. You know what I mean? So like early on I was taking anything because I was like, one, I just really wanted to make stuff. And then two, I was also like, if I don't make stuff right now, I got to go back to making Larry the Cable Guy tour flyers. And I really don't want to do that. Yeah. Although I'm proud of my work. He had some good tour flyers for a while. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? So like I, when I was first starting off, I was like, look, if the budget's big enough that I can get paid on it, I'm going to say yes. And, you know, I, I wanted to do stuff always that, I mean, the goal is always to do stuff where the music inspires you because creatively you're going to do better work if you like the music and you're going to do greater work if you're interested in the artist. And if you can find like an angle on it where you can t do like sort of an interesting video or an interesting style that you haven't done before, like do something that like challenges you, but you know, it doesn't always work like that. And, um, there are times where for me, it's always one of three things. Either I really loved the song so I was like, look, even if it's for free, I just got to work with this band or work with this song. Or it would be like, I love the idea. So maybe it's like a song that I didn't like so much or an artist that was just kind of okay. But the idea was cool. And I've always wanted to shoot an Old West style thing. or I've always wanted to try this effect or this type of camera or work with this um, director of photography I've never worked with before. So that would always be like maybe the second thing. And you, to be honest, that was usually the most common. And then the third would be if it was just the budget was so big that I would be able to like really um, make a video that looked kind of next level. Y you know, like the problem with small budgets is like it's hard to make things that look expensive. And um, it's, you know, maybe you have an idea where you want somebody to fly through the air or you want like a shot that like requires really expensive camera gear or, you know, th three days of shooting instead of one and all that stuff just costs money. So like, you know, a lot of times like the, the problem with music videos these days is that um, a lot of times the artists who have the biggest budgets aren't necessarily the ones who are looking for the most creative video. And, and, you know, they're the Kanye Wests or the Lady Gaga's or, you know, they, they're always going to be artists who really take music videos like seriously as an art form and want to do things and spend a lot of money on them. But, you know, typically like sort of pop music needs sort of safer videos where people look good and it's maybe more of an exercise of like styling and choreography and things like that. Not to say that those don't equal great videos because there are some pop videos I love. You know, I think Janet Jackson did great pop videos. I even think today, like, you know, there's some Ariana Grande videos that are great where they do a really great job. So I don't want to like say that doesn't work, but a lot of times like the artists who really want to push boundaries with their music videos, or take big chances or do videos that are like 
Um, not necessarily about them looking cool, something beyond that. They just don't really have huge budgets a lot of times. Or like the music that I would be really interested in working with, they might come at me and say, well, we have like a $2,000 budget. And, you know, some guy who just moved to L.A. and is looking for his start might see that as a really big opportunity to, you know, $2,000 is great, you know. But there's just not a lot that you can do with that. And I think for me, I'm kind of at a place where I've I've tried to be, like, really careful with music videos because I'm, like, moving into other aspects of filmmaking right now. Um, and I'm trying to just make sure that if it is something that, you know, that I'm picking a video that where I haven't tried something before, it gives me opportunity to like really sort of experiment more. You know, like I said, I didn't go to film school. So for me, like music videos are kind of like a film school. I can like, somebody's giving me money and I can go out and experiment. So for me, that's kind of how I look at it. Growing up, like what music did you listen to? Well, you know, um, I grew up in a, in a household where like we didn't have MTV and, um, which might have been a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the music that I was exposed to as a kid was just, like, through the radio and stuff. So visually, like, I didn't know what most of my favorite bands even looked like or what their videos were like until I was, like, in high school. And um, I used to house sit for my neighbors over the summer. And I would just go over to their house and watch MTV for, like, eight hours a day because I really loved music growing up. And I felt like I had so much to catch up on. I loved the Beastie Boys. They were, like, huge for me. I think their videos were always, like, really amazing. They they were always trying videos that were, like, so, um, like, they just had, like, this looseness to them that I think is um, probably, like, a little more common today. Like, I think artists today are willing to try stuff that feels a little bit less, like, I don't know, formal or like fits within like a real strict like pop kind of style they were like one of the first ones where one of the first bands i ever saw do a video where like oh like it looks like they're having fun you know and it doesn't feel stagey so i really liked them and you know honestly like i i watched every episode of trl that i could get my hands on and you know whether it was in sync or it was like a some 41 video or whatever like I just loved it all even if it wasn't the kind of music that I would listen to for fun just like the images were so fun you know I could really dig into a freaking Sugar Ray video in 1998 or whatever <laughs> as a sophomore in high school yeah. if like it just there you know there's something about the images that looked really cool and something about like the way that the editing was coming together the, the way they colored it or whatever like I just really dug into that kind of stuff and that era like it's still like deeply ingrained in me i could tell you any video that was released between like 1996 and 2002 like i, I know them all by heart um from that time and so you know these days like i don't know if i i mean i, I know kids growing up like watch music videos a lot i mean obviously they've got like billions of views and stuff but i don't know if there was ever a time where it was so curated you know, where like, um, everybody knew all the same videos all, all at the same time, you know, like today, like, I feel like there are kids where, oh, they know every future video or they know every like, um, video that like Drake does or something like that. But then you have another group that like, maybe all they really care about is like 
you know, the Ariana Grande or Selena Gomez videos. And that's all they're really interested in. But there's something so magical back then where like, in order for me to watch that Beastie Boys video, maybe I'd have to sit through a Britney Spears video and a Bare Naked Ladies video. And so you end up like, (laughs) you get end up exposed to genres that like you wouldn't normally be exposed to. And look, I think it's great that like music's super democratized now and you don't just have to get force fed stuff. But at the same time, like, I sometimes worry that people just live in these little bubbles where, oh, well, all I ever want to do is listen to Wiz Khalifa. So I'm just going to watch a hundred Wiz Khalifa videos and listen to his music all the time and never, you know, listen to, to anything else. And I, I think that that part of it's too bad. Cause even now, like, you know, I could, I grew to appreciate a lot of the visuals from that time. You know, there are Britney Spears videos that are just truly like amazing. Um, like, just from a music video standpoint, just like total works of art. So, you know, I think that was like really important for me too, that like I couldn't just burrow into this little hole of like alternative rock music or hip hop or whatever. And it's funny because nowadays I mostly just listen to hip hop. (laughs) I don't even know what's on alternative rock radio unless I'm working on one of those videos. So, (laughs) but that was like a lot of what, what got me when I was growing up. Um, Yeah. I used to watch MTV like, all the time like on the weekends like I would know like ev- like the Aerosmith like video or yeah Beastie Boys or so yeah it that is a really interesting and great point because now it's like oh just go to YouTube or and like watch the artist that you really love or that you're into I wish MTV would like <laughs> play music videos again <laughs> why do you love um, being a music video director, I, I was, and or why do you love music? Maybe, maybe both. Well, it's funny because over maybe like the last six years of making music videos, like I've really grown to love filmmaking. Um, and just in the same way that I we didn't have MTV growing up, like I didn't get to like watch a lot of movies, so I've really caught up on that stuff too. So. The thing that appeals to me most right now is filmmaking, just in general. And whether that's for a music video or for a commercial or for a web series or for a movie or whatever, like it's all an opportunity to practice the craft of filmmaking. And for me, like I would be on set every day if I could, you know, like thank God I'm not. I can have like relationships and, uh, (laughs) you know, find like other hobbies and stuff. But I think that like for me, I just love being behind a camera. I love trying things out. I love working with a crew. That part is just awesome. And like I love being um, in the edit and putting things together and solving problems and, you know, working like every stage of it, I think is really fun. I think the thing that people don't realize about filmmaking a lot of times is that there's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of um, sort of anxiety until a project is finished that I think is um, a a real challenge. You know, a lot of times like you'll shoot a video and um, the weeks leading up to it are full of anxiety. Like, will this actually turn out good? You know, am I going to be able to like come through on the idea that I've promised? Are we going to be able to put it all together in time? Is the artist going to do a good job when they show up? Is the backdrop going to be painted the right color? Like every single little decision is like something to kind of freak out over. And, um, then when you're on set all day long, it's like, are we going to make our day? Are we going to get every shot that we need? Oh, the artist isn't happy right now. What can we do to make them happy? Like, so there's a lot of anxiety in that. And then 
once you're done with the, the actual shooting of the video, like every single day is like, a, you know, of you working on it is an opportunity to mess it up. You know, you, like you want to like come up with the best edit that you can and make sure that the label agrees with you and that the artist likes it too. You want to like color the video just right. Give it a style. You want to like do the effects just, just right. And there are just so many stages along the way where it can get messed up. So there's this almost like an anxious parent kind of thing where you have to like guide a project along and like that part of it, I didn't anticipate when I first started as much. You know, I also I didn't care as much because my stuff was really lo-fi. So like, if a shot didn't turn out just right, whatever, it was fine. And now, like, I want everything to be perfect. So I feel like there's a lot of worry and anxiety in that, and um, it it's like such a double-edged sword because I love it, but it's also you know that that's been like the biggest thing for me the last couple of years is trying to strike a balance where I really care about what I do. But I also am, like, trying really hard not to, like, let it um, be, like, a, a constant source of, like, anxiety. So when you ask, like, you know, what is it that you love about what you do? Like, I feel like I'm – I really loved it at the beginning, and I'm just now starting to learn to, like, enjoy it again. Because for a long time, it just – it was, like, kind of a job, and there was just, like, a lot of worry and stress and, like – um, I'm just now, I think coming out the other end where I'm like, you know what? Life is really short and I get, I get to do something really fun and I want it to actually be fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. Cause producing, like I'm always like when I'm on set producing commercials and whatnot, I'm always, okay, what's going to go wrong? What, what did I forget about? What is that like one thing that is, uh, so I'm always like, okay, when, when it, yeah, when we rap, I'm always like, "Woo, okay." Yeah. <laughs> so That's the best it's it is the best feeling, definitely. Um, so what what is next for you? Um, what um, you just had a film at a, a festival? Yeah, so I just I just shot my first film. Uh, we finished it up this year. It's called Opening Night. It comes out in November. Um, and yeah, like, so that has kind of been like my main focus now is like getting into more narrative stuff, which I think it like makes sense. Like with music videos, there's only so much that you can do because there's no dialogue. So you're like kind of making silent films. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like silent films just with like a really modern soundtrack. And um, so, uh, yeah, I, I shot my first movie. We shot it in Mexico over 22 days. It's got a great cast. It's Topher Grace, Tay Diggs, Paul Shear, Rob Riggle, um, Anne Heche. Uh, J.C. Chazé of NSYNC is in it for a little bit. He plays himself, like a really weird version of himself. So it's like it's a really fun movie. It's a comedy that takes place behind the scenes of a Broadway musical, um, which is cool because like I was able to use a lot of the things I learned as a music video director, how to put together like it's a it's a comedy before it's a musical like we always refer to it as a comedy about a musical rather than a musical comedy um but you know like there's some choreography in it there's some cool set pieces where it's like you know like a dance off or like a somebody singing a song or something and so i was able to bring a lot of what i'd learned through music videos into that because i i feel like um 
you know, when I was like talking to my, my film manager about it, he was like, Oh, you know, this is kind of a challenging first movie. There's like a lot of, you know, big set pieces. There's a lot of dancing. And I was like, you know what? That actually sounds like the easiest part to me. I'm like more nervous about like when the two characters have to have a quiet conversation. <laughs> like I haven't shot something like that as much, you know? Um, so I actually feel like music videos was like a really good prep for, you know, shooting that kind of stuff that maybe, you know, if, if you did start off in film school and you just are used to shooting maybe dialogue between three people at a dinner table or a shot where two people are walking and talking down the street, maybe to that director, like shooting like a big dance scene or, you know, something with a lot of moving pieces sounds really scary to me. Those are like the easiest days on set because I was like, you know what? I already did this with Blink-182 back in, you know, Downey Street, or I did this with Paramore in Austin, Texas in 2012, or, you know, like I, I had already done all those things so many times that like, I was actually able to kind of like, you know, focus my real energy on some of the quieter, more subtle moments and like really telling a story because I think that's one of the biggest um, problems when a lot of music video directors make the leap to features or something like that. They make really stylish movies or they make like movies that have like a really cool visual component, but they don't necessarily know how to tell a story for an hour and a half. And so that was like my big focus for this movie. I was like, I, I know I can make it look good, but I really just want to like make sure that characters have arcs and that the lead character is somebody that's relatable and you can follow and like that the emotional moments connect and that the humor connects and that the laughs are like real laughs. Cause it's a comedy and we we're going for like hard laughs so like that was like a huge, huge challenge. Um, and then like making it look cool is the easy part. <laughs> uh, do you have uh, any encouraging words to anyone who, you know, is a music video director and wants to get to the level that you're at? I mean, we've kind of addressed it a little bit, um, but or any pointers or tips well, you know, I think no matter where you are as like a a music video director specifically, I think the best thing is to just kind of know like what it is that you want to do. I think, or, or like what it is that you want to do with directing. Uh, I think it's really easy in music videos just because it's such like a um, style focused and kind of trend focused medium. It's like really easy to just always kind of follow whatever is cool at the moment and you can kind of get lost in just sort of like chasing you know a really cool look or a cool style and I I kind of wish that earlier on I had asked myself like what is the end goal here like uh, as much as I love music videos um, I, I want to do them when I want to do them and I don't want it to be like my full-on thing forever and I think that that's th that's the way it should work it should work as like a launching pad into something else and something that's even more sustainable because you know music videos i think will be around for a while like i think record labels have found a way to make money off of them now so like cool they'll keep making them forever but i think it's important that you kind of know where you want to go next after that and that like you know maybe music videos aren't even the best place to do what you want to do i think there are plenty of directors out there who are making music videos right now but really maybe they should be trying to make funny shorts 
for Funny or Die, or maybe they should be focusing on commercials, or maybe, you know, music videos aren't necessarily the best outlet for every director. There's some people who I think really excel at them. I think there are plenty of people who did them, you know, better than I ever did. But like, I think it's about finding like what it is that you're really good at and, and sort of like narrowing your focus a little bit. Cause I think there are a lot of people who are making music videos who um, just aren't, maybe aren't completely sure why. And actually I think that's like an even bigger creative problem for a lot of people is like, you just kind of get into this like rat race of whatever where you just really want to achieve. I think there are a lot of artists are like really achievement oriented or like competitive or whatever. And you can spend like all these years just like making stuff just for the sake of making stuff. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, why, <laughs> why am I even doing this? So I think like um, constantly asking yourself, like, what is it that you want out of it? And um, like, why are you doing it? It sounds like really elementary, but I think it's really important. So I, I'd say that's like a really important part. And then also like what, what kind of what I was talking about earlier, like being really realistic about like the economics of it. Like, I, I think, y you know, it's just hard. Like you, there are people who maybe don't have to worry about that side of it. But if you do, I think coming to terms with the fact that maybe not every single thing you ever make is going to end up being like the piece of art that you want to forever be associated with. Or, you know, I, I had to make some videos for like some boy bands on Nickelodeon in order to get by some months. Or I had to like, you know, shoot videos for bands that I hated or um, do commercials for, I did a commercial once for like a, like a Viagra type thing just because I, I was like I'm not working this month I need to like work so yeah. I think that that's like a big part of it and most people don't ever want to talk about that stuff like it ends up being kind of like a I don't know like people are very protective of like themselves as artists but I think it'd be good if people talked about that aspect of it more too because it's you know it's no matter what stage you're at they're like huge directors who still have to go and make like a MasterCard commercial or, you know, something to get by. So I think that that part of it's really important to be realistic about that stuff and to not let it get you down if you're like, oh, like I have to like, I actually think this is like an important thing for um, our generation because I think sometimes like we can, there's like pros and cons to this attitude of like really wanting to only make things that you really believe in because I think it can also keep you from expanding your repertoire and challenging yourself. There were times where like, like that uh, boy band video for Nickelodeon, like I, my producer had to drag me into that shoot. I was not looking forward to that. But when we actually started shooting it, I got to use some uh, techno crane for the first time. I got to like really like experiment with some different lighting setups. I took those things with me and then other shoots you know, and I learned from that so much. I learned how to work with an entirely different type of personality. You know, I was used to working with like cool bands and stuff. And like, what is it like to work with somebody who's a little bit of a diva? Well, I found out, you know, and, uh, yeah. I think that stuff's important too. You know, if, if you are like, Oh, I'm only going to do stuff that I 100% love or feel a hundred percent passion for all the time. First of all, you might only work like once a year even if you're a genius, you know, and everybody knows it, you, you might just not get that many opportunities. And the other thing is maybe you aren't fully exercising all of your creative muscles because you're like, 
you've reined yourself in a little too much. So that's like all my, all my lessons. I have no other lessons. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think that's so important for any artist, whether, you know, creating a music video or a musician or, you know, trying a different, I just, oh, that's so good. (laughs) Thank you, Isaac, today for being here and, um, yeah, sharing your knowledge and expertise on music videos. Yeah, thanks, Jen. It was really fun. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Be sure to check out IsaacRents.com to watch some of the amazing music videos he has directed. Thanks again to Bang Ups for creating the theme music, Dan Portnoy for the use of his sound equipment, Brent French for designing the logo. This has been I Love Music with Jen Fedor.